0: well good morning as Ryan mentioned I am one of the elders but more importantly I am also his very proud dad and father-in-law to Taylor they do just a wonderful job here at the church and uh, creating the vision and leading the vision they have given me one caution this morning though because of the heat they want me to be able to keep the sermon at a length where we can post it on tiktok Now, for those of you that are under or over 35, TikTok is an application of 30 seconds or less. So we're going to be going uh, through this section of Scripture very quickly. I invite you to open up your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So in this section of Scripture, Paul... Uh, uses the analogy of taking off our old self and putting on our new self in relationship to Christ. and he uses it in the context of clothing, being able to change and put on different clothing, if you will, more appropriate to our new life and our new, uh, new, re- new life and our new relationship to Jesus. Um, and it, it really brought to my mind the struggle I have with some of the things in relation to my attire and where I go because typically, what happens if Nancy and I are gonna be going out? I will dress what I feel is those appropriately and Nancy will look her usual beautiful self and we'll meet in the entryway and I'll grab my keys and we'll get ready to go and Nancy will do this. (laughs) And she says these words, are you going to go like that? Now come on guys, I'm not the only one that's ever heard that, I know, I can see you. So I have my keys in my hand and it's a no-win situation. If I say yes, I'm in trouble. If I say no, then she'll ask, well why do you have your keys in your hand? And I'll look down and I'll have my Levi's on and they may have a hole in them here or there and they may also have some Dorito stuff where I've wiped my hands after eating a bag of Doritos. Nonetheless, I have this feeling that I'm not dressed appropriately for where we're going. But more importantly, and I love this, Ryan gets up here and he says he's learned lessons after 10 years of marriage. (laughs) 38 years, buddy. Give me a break. You're a rookie. (laughs) I am still learning, even up to this last week. But the most important thing I understood is that when I go out with Nancy, I don't just represent myself, I represent her. So she doesn't want to be associated, touching, or be around someone who has Doritos all over their pants or holes in their Levi's. So I have got to put on a new appearance more appropriate to where we are going. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about right now. We take off the old self and we put on the new clothing representing Christ. So let's read this very quickly. Looking again at Colossians. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, Paul says this. And so those those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, thank you for this opportunity to present your word. I love doing it. I love these folks and the church that they represent. But Father, I just pray that we have a very um, uh, helpful and, and hopeful discussion about forgiving and living in the new reality of Christ and what he means to us. Help us to glorify you in everything we say, think, and do, for it's in your Son's mighty and precious name I ask these things. Amen. So Paul begins this discussion about taking off the old and putting on the new, but it also goes all the way back, if you will, to chapter 8 where he talks about putting aside those characteristics that we used to have and that as a result of our relationship with Christ, we now put them aside. We take them off, fold them up, and set them aside. And so let's take a look at verse number 8 about what some of these characteristics are. It says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander abusive speech from your mouth so he begins to talk about taking this stuff off but then he begins to talk about the transition and the change that takes place as you do that because what happens is as we do that as we take off those characteristics and we do it intentionally it's not by accident we do it intentionally we begin to change as individuals we begin to change as a body of believers in this church and look what happens all of the divisions that used to exist in the outside world, and oh, by the way, are being played up right now in the outside world, the divisions that are being created, they disappear inside the church when we have these new characteristics. Look, look if you will, at verse number 11. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all in all. So, when we do this new, when we adopt these new characteristics that we're going to talk about in just a moment, all of these divisions disappear. We are one in Christ. We have a unity in purpose, we have a unity in goal. And we move forward in that direction, unified. That's why. Putting on the new characteristics that Paul is going to talk about here in verses 12 through 14 is so critical. You can't take off the old self of wrath and anger and malice and not put something on in its place. And so Paul begins to talk about this, and I'm going to read through 12 again. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience... Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has to complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So this whole section of Scripture is talking about unity, eliminating the divisions. And he begins to talk about, first of all, that we are holy and beloved, back in chapter, verse 12. And so those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, And by holy, he means that we have been purposefully set aside for a great work, a good work of God. We are not not chosen by accident. We are chosen for a purpose, set aside for a purpose. When you go out into the world, the world that is so chaotic and, and disorganized right now, so full of sin, you need to be different. You need to be be able to exemplify that difference because you are wholly involved in Christ. So when he talks about being holy, he's talking about being set aside and distinctive in a world that's going crazy. And then he calls you beloved because you are beloved unconditionally by God. And that's the remarkable thing. It's not something that we seek to achieve. It's not something that we have to measure, that we have to run after and chase. It is we are passively sitting back based upon this scripture and receiving it because of his unconditional love for us. We are beloved and holy and chosen for a purpose. And so when we go through all of these things, we have to keep in mind that the core message here is unity. No division but unity in our purpose and our love for each other. So we have this identity that requires a new identity. We have this identity that requires and fulfills our purpose. But as we look at these things in in verse number 12, he says kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's almost the exact flip opposite of verse number 8. All of those characteristics that we adopt and we adapt because of our relationship with Christ are the exact opposite of those things that we had in our life before. Uh, You know, Nancy would very much agree with this. I have known the Lord for probably 36 years now. I don't know the exact date. I just remember the moment that it happened. But dare to say that if anybody were to look back those 36 years and then look at where I'm at right now, you would not be able to fathom the difference. If if somebody had told me 36 years ago as I was laying in in perhaps even a drunken stupor on the floor that I would be preaching the word of God in a church 36 years later, I would have laughed in their face. But the fact of the matter is God is capable and able and very much willing to, uh, to change us To work with us, to change us from what we are, exhibiting those qualities in in verse number 8, and bringing us to, we're an outstanding and wonderful, hopefully, representation of Christ in verse number 12. It's a transition, and it's intentional. But let's go on, because again, it's hot up here, and I want to get down as, as much as you want to. It's a little bit hotter up here, I think. But we keep going. Then Paul begins to talk about bearing with one another. Look at verse 13. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should forgive others. I'm going to go back to Ephesians. I won't ask you to do this. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, there's a corresponding thought about bearing with one another. And, tr- and Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus says this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. That's just what we were talking about in Colossians. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, here it is, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So even in Ephesians, as Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, walk bearing each other's frailties. Bearing each other's characteristics for the sake of unity. That core core component, the unity of the church. And so I understand that bearing with one another and the characteristics that we have is difficult. I know you, you know me. I'm not the easiest guy to get along with. Many times, I have characteristics and, and, and features in my life that rub people the wrong way. But the fact of the matter is is that individuals, we are to look beyond what is evident. We are to look beyond what is obvious in a person's life, in a person's mannerisms, and see what their potential is in Christ, and look beyond their limitations and see their potential and what Christ has store for them. That takes work. That takes prayer. That takes intentionality. But we have to be able to do that. So we have to forbear or bear one another, even in the frailties that we all have. So we bear with one another, as he points out in verse number 13. Forgiving each other whoever has a complaint. Here's the tough part, and here's the core of the the conversation this morning. We have to forgive each other, regardless of the circumstances. Here's, we have to to forgive, and we have to seek to be forgiven in those circumstances that have the potential to create disunity within the church, and that's incredibly difficult. I would have to say that as a characteristic of being a Christian, Two things really stand out that are difficult. Number one is loving unconditionally, and number two is forgiving unconditionally. But both of those things, loving and forgiving, are critical components to any Christian walk, to any true and accurate reflection of Jesus Christ. Those two components have to be evident in your life. If they're not, you're sitting on a two-legged stool. It's going to fall over. You You cannot exemplify Christ without those characteristics in your life and here's the first thing I want to tell you about when we talk about forgiving is that you are incapable of that level of forgiving on your own you need the help of the spirit you cannot forgive people to the degree that they can potentially hurt you on your own it just will not happen it will not happen immediately it will not happen over any prolonged length of time You have to invite the Spirit to come into your life proactively and help you in that area. If the same Spirit who can so forgive the sin of the world in all aspects, in all relations, if He can do that, He can certainly come into your life and help you in your relationship. I don't care how hard, uh, how much you've been hurt. I don't care what the relationship is. Typically, it's in a family or a close friendship. That's where you're hurt the most. You are incapable of doing that kind, that level of forgiveness on your own. You need to proactively invite the Spirit into the situation and ask Him for the help to do that. Perfect example of this. And, and Paul goes on a little bit further down in verse 13. He says, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. Perfect example is, is in Luke chapter 22. Jesus has been arrested, he's he's being moved from accuser to accuser, and he had told Peter that before the rooster crows, he will deny him three times. Peter, in his arrogance, doesn't think that'll even happen. And yet what happens is, as Jesus is being moved from one accuser to the other, the, the, the cock crows... And Peter had denied Christ three times exactly as Jesus had predicted. And Scripture says in Luke 22 that Jesus looked right at Peter. This was not a generic issue. This was something that Peter had specifically done to Jesus. He had abandoned Jesus in a critical moment when an opportunity came forward to stand proud, to stand in strong association with Jesus and his message, he denied him. And Jesus coming from one location to another looks right at Peter and points him out. I told you so. And we would tend to think that okay, that wrong has been done, that that relationship has been broken. But after the resurrection in John chapter 21, Jesus shows up again in his resurrected form and he goes after Peter specifically. And what does he do? He pulls him aside and they go for a walk. And Jesus asks him the question, Do you love me? And Peter says, Absolutely, I love you. And Jesus says, Tend my sheep. He says that three times. He asks that rhetorical question three times to Peter. And each time Peter says, yes, I love you. And so what happens is Jesus assigns to Peter the responsibility among the other uh, disciples and apostles to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep. He puts him back in a position and a relationship. He forgives him entirely despite his disassociation and his disavowal of his relationship with Jesus. He forgives him completely. We have that example And so I don't care who has hurt you. I know it's easy for me to say because you may have been hurt very deeply. But you need to ask the Spirit to come into your life and enable you to make that first step of reconciliation, that first step of forgiveness, and to seek to be forgiven for whatever wrong you may have done so that that reconciliation, that unity can be reestablished. It's something that is not an option. It has to be completed. The second thing, and we're running on close here, forgiveness may be ongoing. Forgiveness may not be a one-time thing. For those of us who have been married for any length of time, you understand that forgiveness and learning and adapting and adopting over the course of a marriage is normal and routine. You're constantly learning. You're constantly saying, hey, I am sorry, I didn't understand that. So forgiving is an ongoing option is an ongoing thing in the Christian life. And one of the best examples of that is in Matthew 18, 21 through 22 again for the sake of time I'll just go there myself. Matthew 18:21 and 22. Peter again our good buddy, he says this, Peter came and said to him, "The Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to 7 times?" And Jesus says, "I I do not say to you seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Peter's like us. He goes, I'll forgive him. But at what point, Jesus, can I draw the line and get back at him? Seven times? That seems reasonable. And Jesus doesn't put necessarily a limit on it. He says, forgiving and being forgiven is an ongoing process. So we as individuals, as believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not to have a definitive date by where this person either reconciles and shows those characteristics that, that I'll forgive them. If they go beyond that date or beyond that time, or if they do it on a routine basis, I'm not going to forgive them anymore. It's between them and God. Right? Right? But Jesus points out that there is no limit to the forgiving attitude, the intentional forgiving and the intentional love that characterize him have to be characteristic within us. And everything I'm talking about this morning, it's tough. It's unbelievably tough. Go back to point number one. Involve the spirit. Immediately and routinely. So forgiveness is ongoing. The next one is forgiveness prevents breaks in the community, the unity, which is the core message of what Paul is talking about here. I'll give you a great example. Friday night, I downloaded a movie that I've been waiting for for a little while. It's a, it, it's a Tom Hanks movie called Greyhound. And I love war movies, right? And, and Greyhound is about Uh, the convoys usually about 37 to 40 ships that would move from the United States to Great Britain during the early times of World War II and the destroyers would be positioned around these convoys to keep the German submarines from sinking their cargo vessels and one of these destroyers is named Greyhound and Tom Hanks is the captain his first trip across what's called the Black Pit because the German submarines can routinely just destroy all of these ships. He's unsure of himself, but the interesting thing about this movie is they portray him as a strong Christian. It blew me away that Hollywood would do this. He actually had stuck on his mirror Hebrews 13.8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always. And the camera focused on it. It showed him praying before the battle. It showed him praying after the battle. And I'm going, yeah, this is wonderful. But anyway, he's the captain of this ship, and the German submarines are out there, and it's dark, and the waves are crashing against the ship, and it's stormy, and two, sol- two sailors are brought to him for, for discipline. They had been fighting, and they're both bloodied. And Tom Hanks is sitting at his table, and he says, explain yourselves. And the two soldiers, or the two sailors say, I regret the incident. And he asks the other sailor, "What, what about you? He goes, I regret the incident. That's all they say. And that's the level of forgiveness that typically we go to. I regret the incident. We don't go any deeper. But Tom Hanks, as the captain, says, I will tolerate no more fighting on this ship. Reconcile your relationship and bring me peace. And I thought to myself, why would the captain, in the dark, in the middle of a storm, surrounded by German submarines, worry about a fight between two soldiers, or two sailors? And then it occurred to me in the context of this message, because as captain of the ship, he understood that a fight between two sailors could cause division within the ship, and take the eyes off the true enemy, which is out in the deep, dark waters he had to stop it immediately. And it's the same with us. Forgiveness stops the break in our community, in our body. And as Jesus looks down upon us, he says, reconcile between, between you and bring me peace. There is no argument, dissension, or break that's too small not to catch the attention of Christ because we too have a spiritual enemy that's out in the deep, dark, spiritual water looking for an opportunity to torpedo us who is unrelentless, who is relentless, I should say, and smart. And he's looking for that opportunity, that foothold to gain in order to separate us in some small issue or perhaps a huge issue. But Jesus says, bring me peace, reconcile now. Do not give the enemy a foothold. And then last, everybody who's fanning said, I'm glad this is it. Forgiveness releases control. Actually, this is my second to last. We got another five minutes. Forgiveness releases control. We like to think that as long as we don't forgive somebody, we have control over them. All right, Kevin wronged me. He never did. He's probably one of the most loving individuals I've ever met in my life. But Kevin wronged me. As long as I do not forgive him for what he did to me, I've got control over him. He can't. He can't move. He can't do anything. The interesting thing about that type of attitude is, in about seventy-five to eighty percent of the time, they don't care. They've moved on. <laughs> right? So we move from, from uh, reason, for the reason he hurt me, and then we move to a, a time of, of retribution where I develop, if I don't stop it, if I don't stop this process early on and release control and forgive for whatever actions he may have done, If there's a pathway that leads to retribution that means I'm going to physically or emotionally or financially do something to harm him. And at that point in time, I lose my testimony entirely. So we had the, the ironic thing about forgiveness is it frees me as much as it frees the individual that I hold my grudge against. Control is an illusion, folks. If you're holding a grudge against somebody because you feel like you have control over them, you don't. Get over it. Apologize, forgive. Reconcile the difference. Intentionally. Put on the new clothing that represents that relationship with Christ. And then this is the last. Forgiveness foundation is love. Look at verse number 14 of Colossians 3. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So we're talking about putting on this new clothing, these new attributes that reflect Jesus Christ. We're putting on all of these new characteristics that are a true and accurate reflection of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We have changed from verse 8 to verse 10 or verse 12. Now, we take all of these garments that we've put on, all of these characteristics, and over all of them, we put love. Remember how I said the two main components are love and forgiveness? We put love as the outer garment which holds everything else together on, and that holds everything in place. And that's what Paul is saying here, the foundation of which is love. I'm gonna invite the worship team on up as we close this off. Um, love and forgiveness. That's what makes unity possible in the body. And I would invite you today, if you have somebody within this organization, somebody within this body of Christ that you have even the smallest issue with, I would invite you to, to pull them aside, take them, well, you can't take them to lunch right now, but you can certainly have a Zoom meeting with them. And just say, hey, Man, you know, this has been on my mind, and the Spirit has moved me to ask your forgiveness for my attitude. That's what it's all about. And if that is grounded and based on a truly loving Christ-like attitude, folks, there is nothing, nothing that can stop this church because we will not give the enemy and the deep, dark, spiritual waters that surround us the opportunity to torpedo our efforts. It's intentional. We have to be intentional in taking off those characteristics in verse 8, putting on those characteristics in verse 12, which will enable us to eliminate all of the divisions that exist in the outside world in here and move forward as a unified body, loving Christ, reflecting Him in a wonderful, powerful way to a world that's literally falling apart. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Lord, I know it's hot in here, and Father, I just thank you for the attention. Lord, I thank you for the interest. Lord, most of all, I thank you for your word. Father, we are getting pummeled as a society. We are being pushed from corner to corner, and we have nowhere to turn but to you. I love Psalm 46. Lord, it sustained me, the first two verses. Our God is our source of strength and refuge. He is our ever present help in times of trouble. And we shall not be afraid though the earth should change. Father, I live by that. It sustains me every single morning. And Lord, I just pray that your love, your forgiveness would be a model for us to help us change our families, our schools, our communities and ultimately, even the world. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that you're ever-present in the middle of our storm, for it's in your Son's mighty and precious name. I ask these things. Amen.